To Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And today we are talking about Radio Shack's comeback. This is an interesting one here. So, all the session notes from today's podcast can be found on our website over at scannerschool.com/slash session 214. Now, for anybody who is on our Discord server, is actually watching us behind the scenes recording this podcast episode live. So everyone who's watching right now, which is pretty much Glenn, <laughs> how you doing? Good shout out to Glenn. Thanks again for your support. You know, you guys are uh, part of a community and I'd like to give back to uh, you guys as often as possible. So from time to time, I'm going to make it my point to jump on Discord and actually record a podcast episode live with you guys so that you can see what it takes and you can get all the bloopers and everything else that goes behind the actual podcast episode. So if you want to join the, the Discord server, go to scannerschool.com slash Discord. And uh, just to let you know, I'm also in a little bit of rare form today. We had had an interesting day here. Not only did I have to rebuild my ADSB server because I lost the micro SD card. I didn't lose it. It got corrupt, which means I lost the ability to send to Flight Radar 24 to ADBSG Exchange and also to um, Pyware. So that's what, FlightAware? Yeah, that was a headache I didn't need. So let's just say, remember to back up your card. So if you are serving to something like that, Back up your Raspberry Pi card. Just do yourself a favor. At the end of this podcast episode, go download Etcher or something like that and just take a snapshot of your card so you do not waste an afternoon like I did putting it back together again. The second thing that happened today that really is putting me in rare form is the fact that I finally feel old. I was not able to find a power button on a brand new gift that my wife and I gave to our daughter, Lauren. She turns eight on Monday, and it's a three-day weekend here as I'm recording this. And I said, you know, let's let's do a nice thing, right? Let's give her her, her birthday gift a couple days early so she, she can spend a three-day weekend playing with a new, new toy. We got her the Xbox Series S, and there's a button on the front that looks like it's a power button, and it sticks proud of the actual xbox it's the only button on the front of the xbox that sits proud of the xbox and i thought that was the power button so did she but apparently it's not the the button is actually on the opposite corner of the display and it runs flush with it and after exchanging the unit at best buy and bringing it back home a second xbox still wouldn't turn on you could imagine my disappointment when i'm like how did i get two broken units only to realize that it was the carbon issue that sat between the device and the floor so what are you going to do? Anyway, she's busy doing her thing, and I am now talking to you guys here. So what a day here. So let's talk about Radio Shack. What is going on with them lately? 
So if you haven't heard yet, Radio Shack is back. And it's not an online store. They're getting into the crypto game. I don't know. Again, here's here's another reason why I feel old today, because I have no idea how crypto works. I, I'm not here to discuss, basically, you should buy crypto, you shouldn't buy crypto. I look at it as this is the next generation of the dot-com boom of, was it the 90s? I guess it was, right? What's the value in it? It's It's virtual, but I guess so is the money you spend on PayPal and Venmo and Facebook currency and everything else too i don't know should we come up with a scanner school currency <laughs> so here here's the deal right radio shack comes out this past month and they say hey we're gonna be basically a beacon in the darkness here for anybody who doesn't understand crypto we're gonna help you through it and and we're gonna bridge the gap to allow basically boomers <laughs> to the fact that they can get into something that these fandangled kids are, are doing these days and that's actually like almost their exact words here right is is they want to bridge the gap <laughs> they, they, they basically said they claim they will lead the way for blockchain tech to reach mainstream adoption by other large brands they will bridge basically bridge between ceos who lead the work uh, corporation and the, the world of cryptocurrencies and i don't understand anything what that means so as far as anything else goes, look, Radio Shack is back. They're going to take their name and they are going to do something with it, whether it be beat a dead horse or they'll revive it into something that is going to be rather interesting. And they even have their own coin on the crypto market called Radio. So I don't know. Let's talk about Radio Shack today. Let's talk about what this means for the future. Let's talk about what it means for the history of Radio Shack. How did Radio Shack even come about? It's a 100-year-old company at this point. Let's talk about Radio Shack, and let's talk about some memories that we all probably all share when it comes to Radio Shack. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. 
Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crowdy, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacob Jabison, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Pruda, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, John Cordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Mike Lopez, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Seish, Randy Cummings, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Leftgren, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Okay, so what, what's Rhea Shack doing to create their own currency or, or, or something like that? From what I'm reading, again, the coin is going to be called Radio, which is pretty cool. I mean... Let's have a coin called radio. We're all in the radio community. So are they hoping to get some of us behind that? I don't know. But again, this whole crypto thing is all, it's all Greek to me. I don't know what they're talking about. And they all seem to be talking about crypto and this Radio Shack deal. That gets the best thing since sliced bread. And to be honest with you, I'm, I have celiac. I'm gluten free. So sliced bread is pretty useless to me. So, but I, I, on top of like all this, Radio Shack is still, like offering their own normal legacy stuff. If you go to RadioShack.com, you'll be greeted by all this crypto stuff and that DeFi, whatever any of that means. But if you go to their store page, you could still go on there and look at radios and communication devices and components and kits and all that stuff. So RadioShack, where are you going? Are you going to scrap the online store and become this hub for crypto or is this just another idea that's going to just try to like take a name that people remember from the last hundred years you know those of us that are still around to remember them in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s like i don't know so let's take a let's take a break here though right let's 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 look at the history of radio shack how they came to be and all this information really right now is off of Wikipedia. And, and there's a lot of other web pages that I went to to try and find information about Radio Shack. And they all pretty much echoed what was on Wikipedia. So that's where I, instead of citing five or six other websites that all regurgitated this information, Wikipedia. That's my source on all this. So Radio Shack started in 1921 by two brothers who wanted to provide equipment for the ham radio market they started with one physical store and a mail order store in downtown boston and they picked the name radio shack because it was the term for a wooden structure that housed radio equipment on ships and of course we still call our radio listening posts or our radio listening battle stations right in our homes as shacks or Radio Shacks, right? This is a carryover term from nautical time. And Radio Shack was nearly bankrupt, believe it or not, 40 years later in the 60s. And it was rescued by Tandy Corporation. So in 1962, Tandy was looking for something hobby-related, a business that it could expand into, because I believe Tandy was more or less into the leather type of company, right? And the leathers and goods like that. So seeing that they had a company out there that was nearly bankrupt that was into a hobbyist, 
Tandy said, great, let's acquire and buy out Radio Shack. Tandy created small stores that were staffed by people who knew electronics. And their stores, all the existing Radio Shack stores, were basically restructured. And inventory was cut from 40,000 products down to just 2,500. So Tandy came in here. They restructured it. And they gave Radio Shack a brand new foundation. Great stuff. So Tandy created small stores that were staffed by people who knew electronics. They closed up their mail offering side of Radio Shack, but used that customer base and all of the mailing information from their mail order catalogs to figure out where the needs were for brick and mortar stores. I mean, that's pretty smart for the time, right? I mean, you've, you've got a full mailing list of people that have ordered from you in the past. And now they're using that information to say, this is where a customer base is. Let's drop a store here. Beautiful marketing. So Radio Shack, another genius idea that might come out to bite them in the end, basically, was they made their managers basically part owners in each store they managed. So basically, every store manager had a stake in the business. And they had a stake and and an interest in seeing that their store succeeded. So Radio Shack's business model was to cater to nerds, geeks, and those that wanted to tinker, that wanted to explore electronics and figure out how things worked and how they can take a solder iron and some components and make things better. In other words, they didn't want to sell high-end components and high-end receivers and stereo equipment. They wanted to sell stuff that was pretty good on its own, but could be modified to be better. So if you knew a thing or two about electronics, you could actually take something off their shelf and really modify it. So not carrying name brand, that's that's something that when you think about a Radio Shack product and, and you think about the quality that was behind it, I mean, do you really put them on the shelf with name brands like Sony and Panasonic? Can they stand side by side? I don't know. But Radio Shack was known for carrying their own name brands. Brands like Tandy and Realistic. And the good thing, though, about having their own name brands is the fact that margins were low and markups were high because they owned it, right? It was their name. They didn't have to say, I'm going to buy you know, a name brand receiver and I can only mark it up 5%, right? They were taking their own product and marking it up who knows how much percent, but you know they were making money on it. So in the early 90s, Tandy Corp was not only manufacturing their own stuff for Radio Shack, but they were also an OEM for hardware like Digital Equipment Corporation, Grid, Olivetti, AST Computer, and Panasonic. So Radio Shack in the 90s was one of the world's largest electronic chains. I mean, it's so hard to read through this stuff and to look it up and realize at their peak, right, how great they were and how big Radio Shack was. And and just to watch the whole business now after the 90s just start to crumble. It's It really is a shame. The 90s were it for Radio Shack. They went through a bunch of leadership changes and restructuring 
And it just seemed like one bad decision after another. So in 1991, Tandy closed or restructured about 200 Radio Shack locations and also acquired Computer City. I remember Computer City. I also remember Circuit City. I also remember CompUSA. <laughs> what other places from the 90s that used to sell computers and electronics went, you know, the way of the Dodo? Was it FYE or Fry's, right? I think it was another one. Anyway, so Tandy closed about 200 Radio Shack locations and acquired Computer City. And their attempt was to move towards mainstream hardware and computer electronics instead of catering to their own original base and selling components and cables, right? And things for the hobbies. They got away from their core market and tried to venture out into something else. But Tandy also sold off its computer manufacturing. They sold off Memorex. And I didn't even know they even had a stake in Memorex. Remember the old Memorex com- uh, tape decks and the guy who would sit there and put on that uh, that war music and, and his, his, his glass of, you know, the beer or whatever it was would come towards him because of the power coming out of the speakers from his Memorex tapes. But they sold off Memorex and they replaced it with, uh, you know, its own brand of products and third-party labels. So this means that they once had full control over their products and full control over the profits and a lot of other stuff. And now that they're not selling their own brand names and they're selling third-party brand names, again, you know, their par- profit margins are shrinking. But Tandy, and we talked about this on a uh, our most recent Patreon Extra Credit Club, but Tandy also tried to create their own big box retailer called Incredible Universe. It didn't last long. It lasted less than half a decade. And they resulted in losses of nearly $90 million. Well, for everybody watching over on Discord, $90 million. That's a huge loss in 1990s money. I mean, it's a huge loss in today's money too. But, you know, you, you put in a difference in a couple of decades. That's big. But one of the things that Radio Shack tried to do in 1994, which I really loved, was their willingness to open up a repair facility and say, hey, if you've got a product and it's outside of warranty and you need somebody to fix it, we will be your electronics repair depot. And that's what they did. They said, the repair shop at Radio Shack is open and we can repair 45 different brands of electronics. So you could effectively take your Uniden scanner, your Bearcat scanner, whatever it was at the time, and bring it to them and say, yeah, it doesn't work anymore. And Radio Shack say, okay, good. We'll send it down to our repair facility and we'll fix your product for you. Think about it. Instead of mailing something off, you could take it down to your local Radio Shack and they would handle everything for you. They could even lose it for you too because that happened to me. So Radio Shack was trying. And even, which I didn't even know until I was looking things up here, was the fact that Radio Shack petitioned the FCC in 1996 to allocate frequencies for the Family Radio Service, or FRS. I didn't know Radio Shack was behind that. So interesting respect to to, uh, Radio Shack with that one as as well. And in 1998, Radio Shack, that was it for Radio Shack. That was the pinnacle moment. And after that, their stock went downhill. Could you imagine owning a stock in Radio Shack in 1998 and holding on to it? So in 1999... The brands Realistic and Optimus were retired. So some brands that we would have known from the Scanner Radio, Scanner Radio hobby besides Realistic, because I, I had a couple Realistic 
I think I, I mean, we all still have realistic scanners probably in our collection, but I had a couple of realistic CBs and ham radios, especially in two meters and, and 10 meters. Other pieces of equipment we would have bought from Rear Shack that had their own labels on it would have been Archer. And Archer had antennas and uh, antenna rotators and, and boosters. Micronta. I mean, I've got Micronta meters left and right at one time, especially when it came to CB. You, you, you'd find those plastic case meters all over the place. Tandy, of course, Tandy from the computer company. Intercell batteries. Patrolman, right? Patrolman was a big, big scanner model from Radio Shack, a realistic. They had Flavor Radio, which was an AM, FM radio, and even Weather Radio. So, but one of the things that I hated about going to Radio Shack, especially around the year 2000 or so, was every time you go in there, they'd hound you. You have a cell phone? Do you like your cell phone carrier? Do you want a new cell phone? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, but think about it, though. I, I don't know if you know about it, but Radio Shack actually at one point sold more cell phones than Walmart, Circuit City, and Best Buy combined. That's huge. I mean, I never thought I'd go to Radio Shack to buy a cell phone, but yeah, every time you'd walk in there, they would hound you for it. But Radio Shack, unfortunately, would barely make it to 100, just like somebody else we just lost recently, right? So in the year, the early 2000s, Radio Shack would go through different CEOs and several lawsuits, and there was even <laughs> there was even a, a website called RadioShackSucks.com that was owned by a former Radio Shack dealer. And in 2004, Radio Shack was the target of a class action lawsuit by over 3,000 active of former managers claiming the company made them work long hours and were owed overtime pay. Remember earlier when I said that the Radio Shack wanted to make all of its managers stakeholders in the company. So I don't know if that was only in the 60s or if that carried over to the end of the, uh, the 90, 1990s. But Radio Shack was in the news. They were being sued. And I think in order to deflect attention to that, they smacked a slap suit against the website owner for RadioShackSucks.com. So in the year 2006, there were mismanagement issues and a rash of layoffs, and things didn't get any better for the next several years for Radio Shack. Their stores, their bottom line, their stock value lost over 80% in value. And in 2015, Radio Shack filed for bankruptcy and was delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. Radio Shack was acquired by General Wireless Operations and focused a partnership with Radio Shack and Sprint. However, two years later, Radio Shack again had to file for Chapter 11 for a second time. This takes us to 2017. But this wouldn't be the final nail in the coffin, believe it or not, for Radio Shack. So in 2018, and a whole other year later, Radio Shack partnered up with Hobbytown USA to open up some Radio Shack Express stores. I remember that, and I've never actually seen... They don't have Hobbytown USA's near me, so I've never actually seen one of the Radio Shack kiosks that they have there. But they also had some sort of agreement with Sprint where they were going to sell off or lend some stores out to Sprint. And then Sprint, I guess, would offer a corner back to Radio Shack. I don't really understand that whole thing they had set up with Sprint, but I know that went south as well. But in the year 2020, Radio Shack's intellectual property or intellectual property and remaining ops and online sales were purchased by retail e-commerce ventures. And retail e-commerce ventures seems to 
gobble up stores that have rel- really known brand names and buy them out and I think use those names for their benefit, their interest. If you go to the RadioShack.com website now and you look through some of the sites that are partnered up with their DeFi, you'll see some brand names that you recognize like Pier 1 Imports, right? That's all part of this whole venture. So December 2021, Rev or Retail E-Commerce Ventures announces they will be using the RadioShack name and calling it RadioShack DeFi. And the platform will allow customers to exchange and freely swap crypto tokens for a token they call radio through a new platform. What a roller coaster for RadioShack. I don't know how I don't know. I just don't have warm and fuzzies about this. But look, on the other side of the break that we're going to get to right now, we'll talk about my experiences going through RadioShack and maybe some of my stories will remind you of times that you've spent going through the shack as well. So as a reminder, anybody who's a $3 or more per month Patreon supporter doesn't have to listen to this break that's coming up here. So if you want to help support us, go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. And for everybody else, we'll catch you in just a couple of moments. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process and this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out scannerschool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's hobby radio magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection. And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on besides your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. 
Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems, where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swissome and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell Pogsack and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss phone, and Unication dealer serving the North American market and, of course, is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For our full inventory or to request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. All right, so... Like many of you, and hopefully you're like me, right? Radio Shack was the go-to place for many of us in the scanner radio hobby. I mean, there were so many things there that if you're going through a mall or or you need to run out for a battery or something, there was always something there to kind of grab our attentions. And again, like I, I was saying before the break, right? Uh, I mean, Micronta power supplies and battery chargers, power supplies, you know, the Micronta SWR meters and bridges and whatnot. There was always something there to buy, right? They always had like the microphones or the speaker mic that looked like a speaker mic, but was just a speaker only. Or you go in there, you grab an extra antenna. I mean, Radio Shack had some some really great antennas. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I had a few patrolman scanners. I, I mean, I got, a, I got one sitting over here on my, on my shoulder and and realistic radios, right? The the real, realistic pro 2004, 5s and 6s. I mean, those are still staples in the scanner radio hobby today, but they had a really great discone antenna. I mean, I've got one of those set up in my attic right now. And in fact, I have one that is still in the bag because it's one of those deals like I'm afraid to set it out, right? It was a really good antenna. And uh, the replacement, I guess, would be the diamond antenna. But yeah, it's it's uh, it was a good antenna. It was solid, so you knew it wasn't made by Radio Shack. <laughs> so, but I also had their old multi-band scanner antenna that went on the car, the Magmount antenna that had the center loads in it with the giant magnetic base and was a thirty feet, maybe twenty feet of of really bad coax cable. That terminated into a BNC connector. But that was a great antenna to use on your mobile device, you know, while you're out driving. Their antenna masts, right? You just walk in there and say, hey, I'm putting up an antenna. I need an antenna mast. And they would walk in the back and they'd pull one out. And you know what? I still have a couple of those bronze covered antenna masts on the side of my house. And I can't put them up because they're so ugly. <laughs> they're just not, I mean, Look, people complain about having antennas on the side of their house to begin with, and you're going to go ahead and put something up that looks like that? Come on. Really? But yeah, I've got a couple of those. And, uh, you know, it's it's just you can go in there and you can buy the standoff brackets you needed or the or the straps amount to your chimney, right? You always knew you can go in there and at least find that information. But let me tell you, man, going into a Radio Shack, and no offense to anybody who worked in a Radio Shack or knows somebody that worked in a Radio Shack, but I don't know. There was a a certain kind of individual that you knew always was in the store. And I'm not saying that it was every employee that was there, but there was always that one guy, always that one person in a store. And uh, I know many of people who work in Radio Shack. I know many of people who or say, used to work at Radio Shack. These are the people I'm not talking about, just to clear that, right? 
So if you're listening to this podcast and I know you, you're not what I'm talking about. But there was always that one guy that reminded me of like, you know, you watch The Simpsons and you got that, that comic book store guy, right? The guy with the beard who's bald with the ponytail and always thinks they know more than you, right? They always think they know more than the customer walking in or they want to talk down to everybody or, you know, they just poke at these little jabs at you. And uh, there was always one of those types of people that worked at a radio shack, at least here in the island. And uh, there was one guy that worked at a store that I would go into all the time. And I'd cringe just listening to the way that he would talk to people. So I'd always hope that when I walked out the store, he didn't talk to me about it. But you know what? You don't have to let that bother you. But cringeworthy. But most of the people that worked there, which was, they were always, always friendly, always helpful, right? They always come like 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 roaches out behind the store. Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? You need help finding something, right? And that was great for most of the people who walk into an electronics store. They don't know what they need. I, I need a battery, or or I don't know my remote control's not working, or I need a cell phone, I guess. But uh, you know when they came, no no no, don't worry. I, I know where I'm going. And you go right to that component bin, right? I need to find a specific switch or a battery holder or something I was building, right? Or breadboard or whatever it is. But these the guys there, they were they're more than helpful, more than more than you know, as soon as you were done, can I ring you up? Yes, yeah, please ring me up, get me out of here. <laughs> so but if I wasn't there, you know, to buy something or I was just passing through, just to look at, you know, the, the scanner radios at the time I couldn't afford, or or you'd go in there and there was that beacon, right? You'd go up to the counter and then you'd have you knew there was that one guy in there that knew what he was doing because the local police was on the scanner all the time or or the fire department was playing. And it was a beacon, right? It was a calling. Like, what's that noise coming behind the counter? Is that the police? What are you listening to, right? For anybody who didn't know. And it sold itself, right? They'd have the one radio out there and and they would they would program it up really quickly for the customer if you had a guy behind the counter and we was doing. And it was great. But the nice thing too about Radio Shack that I used to love about them was the fact that if it got to be around Black Friday, they would discount they would discount the scanners. You, you could go in there, you could buy them for dirt cheap. But even better than that was when they discontinued the scanners and they went on closeout because it was almost like they didn't even care what they cost new. It was like, I don't know, the cardboard's worth about $10. Do you want to give me $10 for the radio? <laughs> so, I mean, that's what you would wait for. You, you'd wait for like that new model coming out and you that's when you you like what do you have left i don't care give me something out off the back or what you got in the basement you got one that was returned just give it to me because it's it's a fraction of the price and that was always the problem too about going to rare shack and i think that kind of helped them lose a little bit of consumer trust was the fact that when you went to rare shack and you said hey i got a problem with this product i need to return it they'd be like okay and they give you money right they didn't even open the box up to look to see if you weren't giving them a pile of bricks they take it back. So when you go in there and you'd buy something, you could end up with somebody's return. And I, there was a couple of times where I'd get something and it was missing the power supply or all the packing was gone. Or, you know, it's like, so I made it a, a, I made it a point after a while of opening the box. I say, okay, I want to buy this. And they'd be like, all right, I said, well, let me open it up first to make sure what's in there is supposed to be in there. And they look at me like, yeah, I've had a couple that weren't, weren't new. Oh, that would never happen here. Yeah. Guess again, buddy. So. Radio Shack was really one of those places. So I think one of the things that many don't realize is the fact that after Radio Shack retired their own brand name, right? Retired Realistic and retired Patrolman is when Radio Shack got into their business practice of buying 
third-party products. This is when we start to see scanners that pop up from the GRE line. The Pro, I don't know how early it was when Radio Shack started selling GRE radios, but maybe the Pro 80s, Pro 90s, right? Those those generations of scanners. Pro 2000s, so like the 2051, 2052, maybe the 2040s, that range of scanners, right? The ones that stopped looking like the, well, the ones that stopped saying they had realistic on them. But they were all made by GRE, and some of them were even made by Uniden at the time. In fact, I have, I guess it's a Pro 2051 that looks like a BCT-8, but it still programs using the Radio Shack programming cable, and you can't control it like it's a BCT-8. So it's it's a neutered BCT-8, basically. And um, even the Pro 137 was a was the same case basically as a Uniden BR330T or the well not really the 346 but you know kind of around that same point but it, it was definitely the same body style as the BR330 except it didn't do half the stuff the BR330 did it was it was really a rundown pro I'm sorry it was a rundown BR330 the pro 137 Again, it had to use. I think it actually. Actually, that one used the radio, uh, the the Uniden cable, if I remember correctly. But it, it still, you couldn't talk to it the same way and didn't speak the Uniden language. But it was still a Uniden radio. So Radio Shack got in the habit of taking GRE and 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 Uniden products and putting the Radio Shack name on it. And this is where we get the Pro series from. Off on a tangent here, I remember programming some of these radios too, and you had to use. Um, ScanCat software, which I think was the same software a lot of these guys at Radio Shack used. And I think that tied into so the Mr. Scanner or something like that software. And ScanCat was good for a while. I would use ScanCat Lite to program all kinds of Radio Shack scanners left and right. It was a Swiss Army knife scanning of, of software. And it did a lot, though. And I think that really led me to end my relationship with ScanCat Lite. No offense to the software. At the time, it was great. But when you started adding in the ability to bring in DMA scanners by Uniden, the software really started to do a little bit too much. It's just the way it all started to go in, really started to make things really confusing. And there's other software out there too that was coming around that would work. So I remember with the Pro 95, I would use a different piece of software. And that was a free download, and it, it, it had like a Windows 3.11, Windows 95 feel to it, because I think that's the time it came out. And then there was another version for the Pro 97. I think that one you had to pay for, but the Pro 95 version you didn't. It was, And, and then you had uh, like PSR Edit, I think, was also another one that would work with them. But I never used any of that stuff. I, I, I went right into Butel. And because I knew Butel software from using it on the Uniden product line, so for me to just grab that software when it was available really made a lot of sense. But again, some of the software out there, you have to go back either to ScanCat Lite or you got to do it by hand now because the software out there just doesn't exist anymore, which is a real shame. But we're talking about radios that came out in the late 90s at this point. So anyway, back on track here. <laughs> so, But Radio Shack had a cult following. And if you knew, you knew, right? It was a great place to go to get in there and get those special parts to build something with a circuit board, 
solder, some flux, a wire diagram. And, and again, you know, I've built many homebrew kits using schematics I found online or something I built myself. Like I, I had an old 94 Jeep Wrangler and I was installing fog lights on it. And I also put driving lights on it. It was like this dual, dual thing. And I built an entire box that had a bunch of relays in there and whatnot. And what it would do is if I had the fog lights turned on and the high beams were off, the fog lights would stay on. But if I were to turn the high beams on on my truck, on the Jeep, it would turn off the fog lights. And this was something that I designed and built. And I went to Radio Shack to get all of the, the jumpers and the components and the switches and the, and the lights. And I somewhere, I know somewhere I've got the schematic that I built for that. And again, you know, I sourced it off the Radio Shack. But again, I remember growing up as a kid and getting these science fair kits, right? And, and I had a couple of them. With those pre-made jumpers that came in a box and those spring terminals and and you know you 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 would follow the schematics in the in the book and it would re- react to light or to water or you'd make a burglar alarm out of it or something like that. Again, these are all kits that you can get at Radio Shack. And looking at where people are today in in, in school and you know, like STEM research for our children, you know we need to have more what STEM stands for: science, technology, engineering, math. I don't know what it stands for. But Radio Shack was like would have been like the mecca for that kind of stuff. They probably should go into that business. But think about it. If you were getting into electronic hobby, if you were getting into radios, Radio Shack is probably where you learned, right? How or, or that's where you bought your stuff. That's where you cut your teeth in this hobby, right? You go in there, you would buy your your discone, you'd buy your mast, you'd buy your clamps, you'd buy your coax. You buy your radio. It was all one stop shopping at the shack. So, yeah, I, I miss Radio Shack, right? I miss the changing times. I miss going in there, and it would have a certain smell, and and you know the every one of them had that worn out carpet in them, and 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 you know the the metal end caps on the aisles, and, and those really bad, poorly stocked uh, component drawers that were in there that that slid out, right? But it's a changing times right now, right? With everything going online and, and you've got big guns to compete with, like Amazon, good luck, right? Amazon and Walmart and Target and Best Buy. You can go to any of those places and buy a stereo these days or a TV or a cell phone, right? It's hard justifying going into the little radio shack because you can go to a bigger store. We, the scanner radio user, the, the amateur radio operator, the hobbyist, those of us who are electronics, who like to tinker, we were their target audience. We were their target market from the beginning. But unfortunately, selling radios and antennas and components is no longer something out there that can support a brick-and-mortar store. So I hope that Radio Shack brand continues. I hope that this new venture from Radio Shack does not kill the name it would be nice to continue to see something from them. I really wish them luck with whatever it is they happen to do. I just don't feel that this is the right move for Radio Shack. I think it's just another bad decision in lines of in line of other bad decisions. But I'd love to know what you think about Radio Shack, their decision, everything else that's going on. So listen, if you listen to this on YouTube, leave me a comment below. Share a story about what you remember about 
Radio Shack or what you think will the future will hold for them. And if you are listening to this on a podcast player, feel free to come to our website. And go to scannerschool.com slash session 214. Leave me a tweet or respond to one of our, our, our tweets about this podcast. Or even better yet, join us over on Discord and come into the feedback forum or feedback channel or the chit chat channel. And let's discuss some memories about Radio Shack. Hey, and by the way, Radio Shack also has a Discord server too to talk about their, their stuff. So interesting times. So listen, if you've uh, enjoyed this podcast episode and you think somebody else out there would enjoy it, please share this podcast with them because that is how we help more people in the scanner radio hobby. And that is our goal here to help as many people as possible. So please share the podcast. Please make sure you're subscribed over on our YouTube channel and to our podcast and also to our email newsletter. So we will catch you again next week with a brand new podcast episode. 73 everyone, my name is Phil Lichtenberger and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby.